42! Blue, 42! Hut, hut, hike! This is The Game Managers on WJLX 101.5, America's one and only sports talk show. Breaking down college football's biggest games, latest news, and greatest moments. Are you ready? Because it starts right now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Game Managers Podcast. I'm Nick Norris, and with me, as always, is my good friend and college football's biggest fan, Justin Knight. It's back, Justin, hey. week one. How you feeling? That's right. Yeah, I was voted uh, biggest fan last year um, in the city of Calera, not the state or the country, just the city. Um, but yeah, it was great. It was great. Yeah, congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. Did you enjoy week one of college football? Did you have a good time? Yeah, I think it was um, some good games on. Um, like I said, the Florida-Utah game was pretty good. Notre Dame-Ohio State was good. Um, Georgia and Oregon, what a great game that was, too. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it was great to have it back. Um, yeah. I love when football season's back and get to watch even, you know, most of the time Auburn disappoints you, but it's always fun to watch and play. Well, all those games you mentioned we're going to talk about as well as we're going to look at Arkansas's game, Auburn, Alabama, all these teams' games as well in depth later in the episode. At first, though, before we get there, we do have to do some news. And Justin, college football is my favorite time of year because we don't have time to do a lot of news. It's less work uh, on me. Yes. Usually just try to find three to five little things. This week I got three. It's going to be great. Yep, I'm I so don't excited. listen to you talk as much, so that's great. Uh, so first up on the on news here, Brian Robinson Jr., uh, he is back with the Washington Commanders. Of course, he was also a former Alabama player. After being shot during an attempted robbery or carjacking this past weekend, he won't be starting the season with them just yet. They did put him on the uh, non-football injury list, so he will be out for at least four weeks. But uh, terrible. It's a good thing he's uh, bouncing back okay. Nothing too serious, but yeah, don't try to rush shot. anything though. Yeah, do not try. To, yeah, very good. And that's not the only uh, robbery on a former Alabama player this week either. The Fulton County District's Attorney's Office has indicted 26 people alleged to have been involved in a series of burglaries at the homes of Atlanta-area celebrities, including Atlanta Falcons wide receiver Calvin Ridley. I didn't hear uh, about that. Yeah, so Ridley also had his home broken into. Um, wild stuff. Wild stuff going on this week. Yeah. Perhaps the wildest piece of news, though. This is the one we're going to talk about, Justin. An expanded college football playoff, whether we want it or not, is coming. There is no getting around it. We have debated this endlessly for years on this show. Uh, I have always been in favor of keeping the four team, but would be willing to go to six. You thought six was a perfect size. Maybe we'd go to eight if need be. Mm -hmm. Well, neither of us yep. are going to be happy, Justin, because we are expanding from four teams to 12 in 2026, possibly as soon as the 2024 or 2025 season, but definitely 2026. What is your take on this? Uh, just more things happening um, to the landscape of football that is not really going to change anything. I mean, it's like the issues you have with the conference realignments and these teams trying to form big, you know, mega conferences, which will happen at some point, but. Yeah, with this, it's just almost like 
you have a number at four, which is just a small playoff to start off. You're finally introducing it. Great. Okay. It's nice and small. You've had that for eight years now, whatever. So, you know, any sane person usually would think, you know what, let's kind of start small here. How about six, you know, go to eight, somewhere in that range. Because then at least you have all the five um, power conference champions. You know, you can go ahead and give them an automatic bid. Boom, you're in. And then you have, you know, the remaining few as an at-large bid. But, no, we went to 12 right away. Just go ahead and throw 12 teams into the college football playoff. Which, as we've already discussed in, you know, like you said, many years, there's usually only three to four teams that even have a shot of winning. Mostly, it's just two teams. You're going to have two teams that really have a great chance of winning it. So now you're going to throw... Sometimes just one. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes there's just one team, yeah. I mean, even like last year, even though Alabama beat Georgia in the SEC Championship, I think majority of people knew Georgia would probably win it at some point and even beat Alabama again the second time. But we knew it would be those two teams. Now, now you go to 12. So that's just basically it's a money thing. They get to throw out these oh, yeah. big playoff games now to where they can try to charge more money for it, especially they're going to have, I guess, some of these playoff games at some of the home stadiums of the team. So charge more for so. the tickets, yeah. um, more games, you know, televised on you know ESPN, blah, blah, blah. Um, and it's just going to be. I'm, pointless games maybe they'll be a good game but then it's just leading up to them getting blown out by the top you know number one or number two team in the country so regular season like you you brought up when we were talking about it not gonna really mean anything i guess they're gonna put it down to 10 games now maybe um yeah well let's talk about that because because i I think there's a there's a very good chance now that you're gonna have teams with three or four losses in this at some point. Maybe not yeah. the first year, but at some point you're going to have a team. It's just like, the what was it, 2007 when there was a team with two losses in the national championship, and that was unheard yeah. of. This this is introducing that another step. So three or four losses. I don't know how I feel about a four-loss national champion. It might be a while before we get there, but it seems like that's possible now, right? I don't like that. Um, well, it was I'll, like but, with um, the Super Bowl when the Giants beat the, um, the Patriots. Patriots. And they were what, like eight and eight in the regular season. Yeah, and they were, it was so undeserving. They just lucked out and somehow found found a way to win. And that's probably going to be people's arguments. They're like, "Oh, well, you never know. You know, a four team could just finally get on a roll." But college football is completely different than professional yeah. football. Professional, you have athletes that have played for so long, and they are on a whole different level. Um, college, you know, you're going to have these few teams, and there's not going to be a four loss team that's going to somehow miraculously make a great run in college football. This isn't college basketball or this isn't uh, baseball. You know, this yeah. is football. It's pretty cut and cut and dry. Well, let's before we get into the things that I don't like about this, I have a lot of complaints. I do want to say some things that I do like about the possibility of this. I do like that there's an opportunity now to make bowl games meaningful again. You'll get more bowl games that matter, which is nice because they'll make up these 12-team playoff games. Yeah. Um, so I like that. I also like that there's a possible possibility that there'll be some home-hosted playoff games. I think that's fun. I'd love to go to an Alabama or Auburn game where those teams are getting to host a playoff game. And that's great. Um, the thing I hate about it is the setup. Now, the setup is not in stone yet. Um, they're still working out the kinks. But according to the NCAA.com's website, 
This is the format, the loose, the loose format they have so far. The twelfth, and this is verbatim. The 12-team playoff will be made up of the six conference champions ranked highest by the committee with no minimum ranking requirements and the six highest-ranked teams not among the conference champions. So So you win your conference, you're automatically in, which we assume that would be the case, and then they can pick six others that are not conference champions. So what conference are they using? So they said the top six conference champions, so you got the power five. So who's the six? Is it like the American Athletic Conference? Is it going to be... they haven't said yet what I think it will be, though. I think it'll be Power Five, and then whichever conference has the best they deem has the best team that year. Yeah, I guess so. So I don't think it'll be sense. one group of five champion. I think that'll be able to, to rotate, which, if you're going to do it, I don't mind that. Um, and then it goes on the four highest ranked conference champions will be seated numbers one through four and receive a first round bye. So one through four will not play in the first the first round. The other eight CFB teams would play in the first round. Number 12 at number 5, number 11 at number 6, number 10 at number 7, and number 9 at number 8, held at the higher seed on a campus site or another location selected by the higher seed. So, potentially, they could choose, I can have this at home, or the Chick-fil-A Bowl could maybe reach out to them and say, or you can play it here and we'll pay you some money, and they could maybe choose to do that. Yeah, that's possible. That's not for certain, but that's possible a thing that could happen. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't mind that. I just hate the the only thing about this that I hate is it's just it's going to make the regular season I think a little less meaningful. Something that makes college football unique on its own. You can't just get hot in college football and go win it all. You have to earn it from the beginning. Um, and now that's not really the case anymore. And maybe you know what? Maybe we'll watch this and I'll think this is great. This is even better. But I don't think that's going to be the case. I like the tradition uh, of college football. I don't want to see that change. Yeah, I mean, the regular season, like you said, because there's usually these big games, especially within the conference, and you know, it, it's it's tough going undefeated or just having one loss and you know finding the way to make it to the playoff and the championship game. So yeah, now it just seems like you know you could be. You just find a way to sneak your way in, like I said, with three or four losses. So you could lose. I mean, you, that's what was so cool. I I mean, I know the BCS, not a lot of people were fans of it, but it was like, man, you had to be perfect. You had to find a way. And even when you're perfect, you may not even make it. Like um, plenty of other, like Auburn 2004, we went perfect throughout the season. We didn't even make it to the BCS National Championship game, um, which was one of the complaints. But that made the regular season meaningful. It's like, man, we can't lose one game, or we may not even have a shot to make it to national championship. Um, and so, right. yeah, like you say now, it's, oh, lose a game. That's like, ah, yeah, we're fine. You know, we could lose two more games, and we still may be fine, depending on our schedule. Um, and so, yeah, it's it doesn't seem like every game has this kind of edge to it or anxiety. You know what I mean? Like, man, we got to come out, we got to win this game or we may not have a shot at the playoff or championship. This also ensures that the SEC will never will, will never not win the national championship again. <laughs> yeah. Like this is I mean, this is guaranteeing that that's going to happen forever cuz now think about how many SEC teams often finish in the top 10. Very good chance that every playoff you're going to have three SEC teams in it. Yeah, last year at there least were two. what three or yeah. four that finished in the top 12. Yeah. 
at the end of the season. So, um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, but, uh, you know, all the reviews I see, and some people are like, yeah, man, we're so excited because finally our team will get a chance to go to the playoff, and then you just finally lose and get humiliated by one of those top <laughs> right. teams. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it it almost kind of feels like it's just a participation trophy. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, here you go. You get thrown into the playoff. You finished in the top 12. Way to go. You may win that first game you play against, you know, just another decent team. Baylor then you finally whoever, go up yeah. against one of the top four, and then it's just like, you suck. Right. You stink. And it's like, hey, yeah. congratulations. So you made the playoff. Yeah. Well, we do have to move on. We're going to have plenty of time to discuss this over the next – four years or so two to four years that we have mm. left of the current uh playoff version but we do have to move on we need to uh get into the weird news of the week in our segment mismanagers peculiar and wonderful and terrible and bad mismanagement and mystery and dreams you never had grizzly or grievous or beavers with cleavers audacity and specialty and used to drive you mad it's a wonder any one of us can manage to survive in a world of world of mismanagers all right in a world of mismanagers this week we're going to start out with a uh, a story from from sky news here now, Justin, we both went to college together. We went to the University of Montevallo. We we took some classes that were not necessary for our education, per se, but necessary to get our degree. I think we both took a stretching class, did we not? Yeah, it was like um, something like that, I believe. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah. most of them were a joke, yeah, let's be honest. Yeah, paid $2,000 to stretch. Well, yeah. there's a university in Texas. They are offering a uh, a class on Taylor Swift. Oh the my Taylor gosh. Swift songbook will fill a blank space at the University of Texas at Austin. Many of the star song will be read alongside uh, alongside Shakespeare and other artists. Students will hope to know all too well by the end of their studies. <laughs> would you? Uh, yeah. Hey, you, hey, sweetie. Uh, what what are you studying in college? Oh, uh, you know, I'm taking that Taylor Swift class. It's really helping me a lot with my studies. <laughs> you know, I'm a I'm an account major, uh, major, and that's really going to help me out. Yeah, I'm a nuclear engineer, and it's required yeah. that I take the ta- and Taylor Swift. It require class. I take this class. Yeah, it's going to help me with uh, my major classes. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was uh, that was funny. Yeah, I know there was one uh, one college I don't remember where somewhere in the United States that had a class on Batman, on the history of Batman. There was another one on The Simpsons. It was like a comedy writing class. But, <laughs> and uh, so now you have the yeah. student loan repayment, and it's like, oh yeah, I went to school, the um, Taylor Swift class, Batman classes, but yeah, I need to get re. Um, you need to help me out with my loan here because this is what I took out of my time to go to school for is these classes right here. Now, if you are in uh, in honors at Texas State University, you can be eligible for the Harry Styles class. <laughs> what a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Wild man. stuff. Good stuff. Uh, this These next few come from uh, ladbible.com. Uh, pilot threatens to turn plane around if passengers continue to airdrop nudes. <laughs> this is, what? That's what uh, uh, the pilot actually came over the intercom. Said, uh, let's see what he says here. He says, we're going to have to get security involved. Um, <laughs> I'm going to, he said he'd hate to have to pull back into the gate 
everybody's going to have to get off if they do not stop airdropping <laughs> nudes. Whatever that airdrop thing is, quit right. sending naked pictures and let's get yourself to Cabo, he added. That's that's wild. You can listen to the video of it. It's pretty funny. Um, he has a very measured tone throughout the whole thing, which is, which is also great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. Good stuff. Uh, this one also comes from that same site. Um, and this one... Okay, cryogenically frozen Sylvester Stallone is discovered in Australia. I say that again. <laughs> a cryogenically frozen model of Sylvester Stallone has been unearthed in an antique shop in Australia, and if you can afford to buy it, then it's all yours. Let me tell you, this thing is absolutely terrifying. It looks like Sylvester Stallone if he was dead for seven years and melting. Um, you can buy it for six thousand dollars. Uh, if you'd like to, Justin, it's available in Australia. I don't know if they'll ship it over here, but hey, it's they better horrifying. find a way if I'm paying that kind of money. Yeah, it's a horrifying, horrifying picture. Just found an antique shop. I think it was used in one of his movies. Uh, let's see if I can find which one. Oh, it was used. I think it was used in Planet Hollywood. It's a latex doll used in Planet Hollywood, one of the restaurants there. So, interesting. That's fun. That's good stuff. All right, and the last story of the week. A man is set to marry his uh, ragdoll. He's planning his dream wedding with a ragdoll starting a fa- after starting a family together. We see these sometimes. <laughs> uh, quite often, men or women will marry these inanimate objects. Sometimes they're humanoids. Sometimes they aren't. I don't know if I'd describe this as a ragdoll as much as a different type of doll um, for you know maybe adult, adult use. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But he's marrying one all the same. A bloke who grew fed up on being single has started a family with a ragdoll and says he's planning his dream wedding. Uh, the man who documents his unconventional relationship on TikTok under the handle MontsBK5959 says he spent years single before finding love in the doll he has called Natalia. Uh, he dresses the doll. He takes it out. They do pictures in the park together. Uh... Yeah, he said, if it weren't for the dolls, I would be more alone than anyone. At least I have something. With the my little girl, we watch TV and talk about everything. They don't know how much I love her. I've lasted all this year with her. I plan to get married. The okay. thing is, it's not even very realistic. It's uh, it's quite quite rubbery. Okay. This is uh, this is sad. May just need I to go ahead this. and move on. Yeah, I hate this so much. <laughs> Speaking of moving on, let's move on to a commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk about all the big games of the week. So stay tuned. You're listening to The Game Managers on WJLX 101.5. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Game Managers. Podcast. I am Nick Norris. With me is Justin Knight. Oh, hello. Now, before we get into all the games of week one, Justin, that we are going to talk about a bit of news up front for next week. I'm going to be out of town. I'm going to Gatlinburg. The plan as of right now is that you and our old co-host Aaron Patterson are going Yuck. to do the show together. Um, that reminds me, I have to teach you how to use this website and all the stuff with it. So... Remind me to do that at some point this week. Anyway, so next uh, week I will not be here, but Justin, you will be, and you'll be rocking on 
carrying the show Sounds on your back. Terrible. Which you always do. It's going to be great. It's going to be a blast. Mm. You excited? No. Okay. Well, let's let's uh, let's talk about the, the games of the week anyway. I think we'll start out with the two that uh, that affect the most fans around here. How about we talk about uh, Alabama up front and their fifty-five to nothing win over Utah State, coming out looking very strong. Bryce Young with six total touchdowns, five through the year, one on the ground, a hundred yards rushing, uh, several yards passing. I got to pull up his stats here, but uh, what was your take initially of Alabama? How they looked? Uh, I didn't watch any of the game. <laughs> really, you didn't watch any of it. <laughs> didn't watch any of it. Oh, very, fair sn- enough. Actually, I saw one play, and it was Utah State, uh, the quarterback overthrowing wide receiver. And I was like, okay, eh, nope. I've seen enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not um, much competition, to be honest. Yeah. No, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, the usual. Uh, nothing surprising. Um, it looks like uh, one of the guys, one of Alabama's starting wide receivers, true freshman, um, Prentice. He's from, he went to Clear High School. Um, oh, looked cool. like he had a pretty good game, five catch, 60 yards. But yeah, um, <laughs> top rusher five carries for 100 yards i'd say that's pretty efficient um yeah, and you said um yeah. yeah those youngs yeah um that's actually good to see because i know people last year were talking about they want to see him run the ball more um yeah so i mean i know it's utah state but yeah if he's can actually show his running ability more than i mean he's obviously upped his game and he's um more of a threat too as well because oh, you have yeah. to deal with that as a defense so, yeah, I, I would no, say was, that's probably the most impressive thing to me. Yeah, no, he was very impressive. And I got the passing stats here finally. 18 for 28, 195 yards. Like I said, five touchdowns. Very impressive. And he got out of the pocket a lot, had some uh, some quarterback sneaks and whatnot. So very good seeing him run around, uh, do his thing. And he's going to have to do that a lot this year because the offensive line, that is a concern. Uh, they didn't look great. They were getting back to Bryce Young. Utah State defenders were getting back to Bryce Young. That's not ideal. Uh, so when you're playing a Georgia or an Auburn, that that concerns me. Now they have time to gel. Yeah. Uh, it's week yeah. one. This is ideally this is the worst you look all season. Uh, but I was not extremely impressed with the offensive line that I saw, especially early on in the game. Got it together a little bit more as it went on. It seemed, but. Um, I don't know how much of that was them playing better or Utah State getting tired and mentally defeated. Either way, we're going to find out in the coming weeks here. Uh, Alabama yeah. defense, though, played very well. Uh, held held uh, the Utah State Aggies to just 57 yards passing, just 79 rushing yards. Uh, very efficient. Um, the, uh, the top tackler here was Moody with six uh, tackles. He had three on his own. We didn't have any sacks, though. Not a single sack in this game. Really? Uh, yeah, for, at least not hmm. for Alabama. Utah State got a sack. Um, but everybody did their jobs. So there wasn't really a there wasn't a need for it, obviously. You only, no. you know, if you're totaling 100 yards a game, uh, you know, keeping your op- opponent's offense to that, you're, you're going to do all right. So uh, good stuff, though. Uh, plenty of tackles for losses, just not, uh, not any sacks. So... Very, yeah, um, it'll uh, be interesting to see. Um, I know Texas probably doesn't really have a great D-line by any means, but I guess just to see in a big game like that uh, early on in the season, see how the O-line does against um, Texas and 
how Alabama looks on the road. I, I mean, I know everybody right now is just, oh, it'll be a blowout, you know. But, I mean, you, you always like to wonder what, you know, the what ifs, especially going on the road in a good environment still, even with Texas struggles, you know, for who knows how long it's been now. But I think Sark will probably have a decent game plan written up for Texas. Um, it, it'll just be, can they actually execute it well enough? And their defense probably won't be able to stop anything after um, probably after the first quarter. They'll probably just finally fall apart and Alabama start throwing all over them. Bryce Young probably run all over the place. But it'll be interesting to see, like you said, how the O-line looks against um, a good program. Yeah. And as of right now, the ESPN matchup predictor gives Alabama an 81.8% chance of beating Texas. We don't have those those stats for, or not stats, but the uh, the spread or the money line or anything right now on the ESPN app. So I'm not going to take time to Google that because I already know it's going to be well in Alabama's favor. But, It'll probably uh, be three touchdowns. <laughs> it could, could very well be. So, yeah, but I am excited for that game as well in Austin. Let's move on, though, to the Auburn game. Now, this is one that you did watch, I'm sure, Justin. Yeah. Okay, so um, uh, tell us about Auburn and Mercer here. Uh, you know, I thought Auburn looked pretty good. You know, I, I thought um, Tank and um, Hunter looked pretty good there in the backfield. I think that'll be a very good combo throughout the season. Um, obviously, I you know, Tank, in my opinion, is probably the best running back in the SEC. And then Hunter, who's another guy that's um, very um, kind of a hard runner. I mean, he had three touchdowns, so he'll probably be a guy to use in the red zone. But I think Hunter will be right there with Tank as well, um, having a good season. Defense, I'll, I'll talk quarterbacks last. but um, And then defense, I thought, looked fine. D-line D looked okay. I think we had three or four sacks. Um, linebackers, I was impressed. Um I was impressed with uh, Riley, Cam Riley. I thought he looked very good. He was all over the place. He had 15 total tackles, uh, nine solo tackles. Um, and I think he runs like a 4 5 40, and he's like 240 pounds. So he'll be a good um, threat <laughs> there. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, and you still have Papo there who's been there for three years. He's going to be the leader of the defense. Secondary, you know, I, I have a lot of trust in this secondary because there's a lot of guys we've got – that have come in, and I think there's a lot of talent there. They looked all right. Um, that's always been a weak spot for Auburn, you know, as a secondary. There, there's room for improvement for them. Um, special teams, I thought, looked good. Uh, O-line wasn't too bad. I thought they looked all right. The center, of course, you know, with losing Nick Brahms, you, know, you have a new center in there. Um, had a couple of snaps that were close to going over uh, TJ's head, but other than that, I mean, I thought the line looked fine. Receivers look – there's improvement from the receivers, which is great to see because last year was pretty hard to watch, a lot of drops. Don't think there's any drops from the receivers. Uh, Javarius Johnson looks like he'll be a really good threat. Shedrick looked like he's improved. Um, and then, of course, quarterback, which – Well, before you know, before we I, get into quarterback, let's – Let's uh, let's quickly go back over the rushing attack because we're going to have a lot to say about the quarterbacks. But yeah, and the 40, forty-two to sixteen Auburn win. Uh, yeah, the rushing game very solid. Like you said, sixteen carries for Bigsby, one hundred and forty-seven yards, two touchdowns. It's an average of nine point two yards a carry. You, yeah. you hand you know you run him a few times, you're you're going to score. 
Uh, and then, of course, you, you said throw Hunter in there. He had eight carries, 34 yards, but three touchdowns. Um, yeah, so that, I mean, that's big. You're getting five touchdowns uh, off your. I know, I know, it's against Mercer, but if you're getting five touchdowns on the ground, uh, you're doing something right. So, yeah. That being said, now let's look at something that maybe didn't go as well: the quarterbacks. <laughs> Which I already, I told you how it would go, um, right after they named Finley the starter. And what doesn't make any sense is, that, you know, there's some Auburn fans out there that are like. Oh, you you shouldn't be up so upset, you know, with who they named starter. You should be so supportive of who's there. That would make sense if this guy's never played for Auburn before, and I haven't seen him play. Like, all right, it'd be crazy if I was upset with them naming one starter and I hadn't even seen him play before, and especially suit up for Auburn. But we know we saw what Finley did last year. Dude was zero and three as a starter. Didn't look very good in the pocket. Was kind of was not very accurate with his throws. Um, of course, supposedly he has a great fall and, you know, he wins the job. And then <laughs> you throw two interceptions against Mercer. Hmm. And, you know, if yeah. it was against somebody else, like a, I mean, Mercer's an FCS team. I know Mercer's good and they'll probably have a good FCS season, but that doesn't really give me any confidence. You're throwing two interceptions. You d- I mean, he made what? A no, I did good throws before that. I but, was at the Alabama game, so I did not get to watch the Auburn game. Did, were the... The interceptions, where you say they were at Finley's fault? Oh, 100% his fault. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he had one he tried to fit in there. There's like three or four guys around on a little post route. And then the second one, he didn't know where the safety was. He was trying to throw. It was um, just a vertical route, and the safety picked it off. Both completely his fault. Um, and after that second one, give credit to Harson. Ashford started the rest of the game from then on out. And I thought he looked good. I think, see – what works for Auburn and has worked in the past is when we have a dual threat quarterback, someone who can make throws when they need to, but is very athletic and can run the ball. We saw it with Cam, obviously. Nick Marshall made it work. And I think Ashford can make it work. I mean, the, the dude ran for 68 yards. He had one run that was like for 40 yards. But, I mean, the dude is – he probably runs like a 4-4. He's quick as can be. And it looks like he has good vision as well. And then he made a great 56-yard throw that was right on the money. Alleged Vars Johnson. Um, he also made a good throw to Schenker for 25 yards. So I think he looked the most comfortable back there. Um, and it looks like he's been waiting for this moment to finally prove some people wrong. And yeah, the thing about practice is, too, you can't really tell a lot. You can try to make your best de- uh, decision as a coach in practice, but it doesn't live up to once you go live against another opponent and you kind of see the difference. It's also impossible to replicate the pressure of playing on a Saturday. Yeah. I know they, they do a good job of pumping in crowd noise into facilities and things, but it's not the same playing something over a speaker and then actually physically seeing someone yell at you and spit their beer at you or whatever. It's very (laughs) different, you know? So uh, we do have to wrap up the, uh, this Auburn game though, but let's, let's take a peek into Next week, good thing for them as they continue to figure out their quarterback situation. They will be playing San Jose State. Uh, shouldn't be an issue regardless of who they start. Auburn has a 96.3% chance of winning according to the ESPN matchup predictor. I'd say that's very fair. Uh, so maybe we'll see a little bit more of, of who. I don't know. We'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll see both those guys again. But uh, Yeah, but I'll yeah. just make quick because Harson said after the end that TJ still the starter, which – I mean, he has yep. to. He doesn't want everybody to see, you know, look at him like, oh, Harson doesn't know what the heck he's doing. He's already changing starters. Yeah. Um, 
So it's but, it'll probably be the same thing, and I hope it's they split the snaps, especially in the first yeah. half. And also, just because he's the starter now doesn't mean he will be by Saturday. That can, a lot no, changes in practice. Change. So, yeah. yeah, it makes sense he wouldn't say, oh, yeah, he's the starter now based off one decision. But oh, by Saturday, that's very possible. We do have to move change. on. We've got several games we need to cover very quickly, not with a, uh, a lot of in-depth here just because we are limited on time. But I do want to talk about this Arkansas-Cincinnati game. Very exciting. Arkansas, number 19 Arkansas, I should say, beating number 23 Cincinnati, 31-24. to um, I like when Arkansas is good at football, and I want to see them continue to do well. Um, Jefferson, their quarterback, was 18 for 26, 233 yards, three touchdowns. He, that, uh, that makes it a lot easier to get your score into the 30s there. And they also had... Uh, he also had a rushing touchdown, so four by him on the night. Very productive. Um, so, uh, yeah, sucks for Cincinnati. Uh, they got two losses in a row now, I guess. Uh, but, you know, you can't win them all, and, uh, and maybe they'll bounce back. But Yeah, I thought Cincy played pretty good, too, against Arkansas. They, if yeah. had a couple of things go their way, who knows, they may have actually won the game. But, um, yeah, Arkansas is right there with Auburn, one of the toughest schedules through the season, so... We'll see what they're able to do. I think they can have a good year, but you're just stuck. <laughs> you're playing a very hard schedule, so we'll see how it works oh, yeah. out for them. Uh, a game we're not going to have a lot to say about, but is interesting. Georgia just just stomping Oregon, forty-nine to three. The defending national champion. They may have fell off a little bit, but it hasn't been much. They still looked very capable of being in the national championship uh, run as well. Bo Nix, uh, of course, transferred from Auburn to hey, Oregon. Bo Picks. Not a yeah, yeah. He's not a great day. Twenty-one thirty-seven, hundred seventy-three yards, two picks, um, no touchdowns on the air through the air or on the ground. Obviously, as Oregon did not score a touchdown, only a field goal. Yeah, tough night uh, for Bo Nix. It's like he was born to uh, lose to Georgia, but uh, <laughs> or just lose games and time. throw interceptions. By <laughs> yeah, the last time he'll ever have to face him. Or face George or Stitson Bennett again, who was 25 for 31, 368 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, very good night for Stetson as well. He also had a rushing touchdown. So, yeah. Okay. And, um, I can't believe I'm actually saying this. I'll say it real quick, but Stetson actually looks better and he looks yeah. finally comfortable in the offense since he's been there a few years now. And I guess, yeah, surprisingly, maybe Georgia can have a better year than what I was um, predicting. Uh, just thinking maybe they'd slip up a couple games, but. They can somehow replicate this every week. Um, you know, watch out. I guess maybe they could actually have a chance to repeat. No, oh, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So definitely one of the stronger teams to watch out for. Uh, another big game, number two, Ohio State, beating number five, Notre Dame, 21-10. to This one went about as, as I thought it would. I thought Notre Dame would come out keep it close first half. But they have a new coach. So his first game debut against the second top, the second-ranked team in the country. Not ideal. Uh, CJ Stroud looked great, 24-34, two uh, touchdowns, 233 yards. Um, and Henderson uh, was their top rusher, 15 carries, 91 yards. Uh, Notre Dame, though, I mean, they they couldn't get a, a passing attack really going. 10 for 18, 177 yards, but they couldn't find the end zone with it. Um, and, of course, uh, their only touchdown was through on the ground. And when you're playing a team like Ohio State, who has a pretty good balance, you kind of also need a very good balance. So, uh, yep. sucks for Notre Dame. They're going to be fine. They they still are going to have plenty of times, uh, plenty of games to possibly win. Um, but the last game, 
I want to talk about, and this one we'll probably talk about the most, this was the Florida-Utah game. Um, I had a lot of fun with this game. I didn't get to watch it live. I had to go back and watch the highlights later. I was keeping up with it on my phone. But what an ending with that pick to uh, seal the deal for Florida. Keeping it close. Utah looked good. Uh, Florida looked good. Florida looked the best that we've seen them since they played Alabama last year, I'd say. Mm, yeah, yeah. But um, um, yeah. <laughs> of course, you know Utah. They got to throw them in the top ten, and what are they going to do? They're going to lose their first game. Um, they'll probably end up. They'll win the Pac-12 again. I don't see <laughs> now. Maybe USC will actually stand a pretty fighting chance. They look pretty dominant. I know it's against yeah, Rice, they put up but sixty. Yeah. USC looked pretty good, so maybe they can make a run. Um. Yeah, Utah's probably overrated, as they usually are. But, yep, very impressed with Florida. Uh, great start for Billy Napier, um, especially with how dreadful they looked last year and how everybody usually uh, quit on the team and Dan Mullen. Right. Um, great start. I, I, especially, you know, you have that kind of game at home and thrilling win. And, man, I just I never get it. You know, Utah, Utah – um, was right there at the four-yard line. All you need is a field goal to tie it. Don't do anything crazy. What does this quarterback do? He stands back there in the pocket forever, staring at his wide receiver, and throws an interception. Um, so, screwed themselves right there. But, yeah, great job for Florida to have a goal line stand right that. And um, maybe they'll actually be better than what a lot of people think. I'm, I mean, yeah. I know it's the first week, but, um, you know, Maybe they can actually make a decent run and find <laughs> find a way to have a pretty good season, maybe double-digit digit win season. Yeah, I was impressed with uh, with Anthony Richardson, their quarterback. 17 yeah. for 24, 168 yards through the air, but also 11 carries for 160 yards, three touchdowns. If you're averaging nearly 10 yards a carry uh, <laughs> against a, a very good Utah team, yep. you're, doing, you're doing pretty well. So, uh, And then Johnson Jr. also had a touchdown. He had uh, 75 yards on 12 carries. So they've got the rushing attack down and the passing game. Pretty pretty great, too. 168 yards. That's, I mean, that's average of seven per completion. So Yeah, and a fe- very efficient, good. too, 17 to 24. So. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah, I'm excited to see what Florida does. I'm, I'm excited to see all these SEC teams finally bouncing back again between Arkansas and Florida and maybe Tennessee and some of these others that you're like, this is fun. This is this is fun when everybody's good. Yeah. Um, now, we actually, Justin, have more college football this Labor Day weekend. LSU is playing Florida State as this is airing. And Monday, we get Clemson and Georgia Tech in the Chick-fil-A kickoff game. So, week one, not quite over yet, but uh, a lot of football in the year. And I'm excited that we're finally back to it. But, we're Justin, you know what back. else I'm excited for? What's that? I'm excited to hear what you're going to teach us today in the Learning Corner with Professor Knight. All right, students, gather round and put on your listening ears. It's time to visit the Learning Corner with Professor Knight. <laughs> what are we learning today, Professor? Ah, uh, this was, uh, you could thank Nick Norris for this idea. Oh, this I is, will. It's nothing specific. It's just the biggest upsets in college football, not just, you know, a week or anything. This is just all time. So I thought it was interesting. Okay. I'll maybe maybe pick five out the here. top five or so. Yeah, yeah, very good. top very five. Good. You know, come on, man. I'm We're on the same page. Yeah. We're on the same so, page. I'll run through this pretty quick. Some of these are pretty interesting. 
Number five is Howard versus UNLV. This was 2017. Um, so UNLV, yeah, right. they were so favored that Las Vegas didn't even bother having a point spread for it. Um, some other betting agencies they had UNLV as a 45-point favorite. And Howard received <laughs> 600000 to play UNLV, part of college, uh, college football's typical guaranteed games. Um, but Howard... Of course, they spoiled the presumed beatdown thanks to 330 total offensive yards and three touchdowns from Kalen Newton, Cam Newton's younger brother. That's um, right, yeah. And uh, they helped help the Bison hang on to a 43-40 victory. I forgot so, about that game. Very crazy. Good. Poor UNLV. They did not have not bounced back from this since. <laughs> um, next one. You've got the University of Washington versus Oregon State. Uh, so the University of Washington ended the 84 season ranked number two in the nation and headed into its opening game of the 85 season with confidence as opponent Oregon State had lost by a 97 the O margin in the last two games. Oh so gosh. the Beavers were a 38-point underdog, and their starting quarterback and leading receiver were both out of the game with injuries. But with a minute 30 left in the fourth quarter, Oregon State intercepted the Huskies four times and blocked a punt wow. and recovered it in the end zone to take the lead and eventually win the game. What an insane ending. That is well, insane. What a choke job. Yeah, um, for real. That's amazing. That, yeah, that was 1985. So now we go to Notre Dame versus Oklahoma. 1957. <laughs> Final score was 7 nothing. But um, so who owns the longest winning streak in history of college football? That would be Oklahoma, who had a 47-game winning streak from 53 to 57. And it seemed unbeatable wow. after back-to-back national titers so much that Sports Illustrated featured the Sooners halfback on the cover with the headline, Why Oklahoma is Unbeatable. When unranked Notre Dame arrived to Norman to face number two Oklahoma, the Sooners were a 19-point favorite. Game was back and forth, defensive battle. Um, and then the, there's a play in the late fourth quarter where Notre Dame, a 20-play, 80-yard drive to seal a 7-0 shutout, an upset victory of Oka, over Oklahoma, making the Sooners' first shutout loss in 123 games. Wow. So very nice. Very right, good. Two, 2007, this is number two, Stanford versus USC. Oh, yeah. So heading into the game, Stanford was 41-point underdog against USC, and redshirt sophomore – Pritchard was set to make his first career start for the Cardinals. The second-ranked Trojans entered the matchup riding a 35-game home winning streak, while Stanford held a 1-3 record and hadn't had a winning season in seven years. So table was set, of course, for USC to dominate, but this was one of the biggest upsets in football history. In Jim Harbaugh's first season as head coach, Stanford's five forced turnovers and a blocked extra point helped keep the game close. But it was Pritchard, 10-yard touchdown on fourth down with 49 seconds remaining in the fourth quarter that sealed the deal for the Cardinal win, a 24-23 win. Wow. All right, and of course, you want to guess number one? You probably know this one. What do you think the number one, the biggest upset is? Is it a recent one? Um, I mean, it's it's this century. Okay. Hit me with <laughs> it. What is it? App State versus Michigan, oh, 2007. Right. So yeah. that was actually a week one game. Um, oh, so this cool. kind of goes, yeah, this was September 1st. Uh, the final score, App State won 34-32. So Michigan paid App State 400000 to come Ann Arbor yep. and play in the season opener against the Wolverines. App State Mountaineers had won two straight FCS national championships and were a powerhouse FCS program, so a very good team. 
But a matchup yeah. against a number five ranked FBS program seemed like an easy win for the Wolverines. However, now this I still remember this like it was yesterday too. Twenty-four year old twenty-four-yard field goal by Appalachian State kicker Julian Roch put the Mountaineers on top. Twenty-six seconds remaining, completing one of the biggest upsets in the history of college football. And then um, App State blocked that one field goal and took it back. Um, didn't they take it back for a touchdown or something too, or it was called back or something like? Or I don't know if it was taken in for a touchdown, but they blocked the last kick of the game and they ended up winning. Yeah. Um, so that, that was yeah, that was crazy game. But yeah, I mean App State, and I don't know. Did you see that game yesterday between App State and North Carolina? I kept up with it. I didn't get to watch. Oh it, but, my yeah. word, that was nuts. Um, <laughs> even App State had a chance to tie it. It would, but yeah. they lost sixty three sixty one in North Carolina. And <laughs> you know what the funny thing is? You know who North Carolina's DC is? Who's that? Gene Chisick. <laughs> That's right. He is. I forgot he took that job. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He's Yikes. back there again, and the defense still sucks. Yeah. Oof. Oof. Very good. Very good stuff. I love a good upset. Well, when we come back, we're going to give out the biggest awards in sports, the TG Emmys. So stay tuned. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Game Managers Podcast, where we are about to give out the most prestigious awards in college football, in the sports world entirely, the TG Emmys. I'm Nick Norris, and with me is Justin Knight. Oh, good evening. Now, Justin, we are in a bit of a rush here, so I'm going to give out the first award, as I always do. And this award goes to... My favorite highlight of the week. And the recipient of this award is Alabama defensive back Kyrie Jackson, who I don't know if you saw this clip, Justin. He literally tackled Utah State ball carrier by tackling a a Utah State blocker into him. He he knocked down two (laughs) guys like bowling pins to get to the... It was insane. He he pushed the blocker, and he just flies into the the ball carrier. It's amazing. Very go. good. Stuff. Very nice. Very good. What is your award for us today? All right, this is a first. This is a big moment. This award is the I told you so, and I'm giving it to me, uh, Justin Knight, <laughs> when your wow. first award winners. Um, <laughs> it was for uh, I told you so about T.J. Finley. I've been trying yeah. to tell you everybody for months. This guy should not be on the field, and he proved it last night with two yeah. interceptions against Mercer. Um, maybe he'll completely change it around next week and miraculous change of events. Probably not. But, hey, I'm going to give myself this award. Very I'm usually good. humble, but, hey. No, you go ahead. Congratulations. Hand claps for yeah. myself. Everybody clap. Yeah, very good. Uh, best of the week. Best of the week. I'm going to give it to Florida's Amari Bernie for the interception that sealed the upset over Utah in Billy Napier's Florida debut. Very big stuff. Very good. Excellent. Very nice. Clutch play. Mm. And bust of the week, the opposite of best of the week. This goes to the Yankees, who are in the mm. middle of a total collapse right now. Uh, lo- another loss to Tampa Bay, 2-1 to one, Saturday night. What's going on with the Yankees right now? Um, The bats really aren't clicking, and pitching hasn't been very good. But I absolutely love it, because when they had the best record in Major League Baseball, there's this Yankee page on Instagram, and the caption was, Best Yankees team of all time. And I took a nice little <laughs> screenshot of it, and I yeah. can't wait 
when they lose, heck, they may not even win the division. They're yeah. the Rays are only four games behind the Yankees. The way the Yankees right. are playing, they may not even win their division. Um, I can't wait to see the Yankees crumble, fall apart once again. So I can just send this guy this little screenshot and be like. You are full of crap then and will always be full of crap. <laughs> but he'll probably go back and say, 27 rings. So yeah, it's great. I love it. Good stuff. All right. Well, that brings us to our final segment of the day, Listener Letters. Go getters, write letters. We're the ones who read them. Please don't stop writing in to fill the time we need them. We are reading letters. The letters wrote by you. We are reading letters, the letters wrote by you, and if you'd like to write us a letter, you can do so by writing one to GameManagersPod at gmail.com or find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at TGMPod and send us a message there. Don't forget to uh, follow us as well. This first one comes from Grant. He messaged the Twitter. He asked, who has the hottest seat in college football right now? Uh, I think there's a clear number one. Oh, there uh, sure is, especially after yesterday, too. Yeah, and that would be... Um, Scott Frost at Old Nebraska. Scott Frost. Yeah. Mm. Uh, they did end up winning that game uh, against, who was it, San Diego State or something like that? No, it was, it was worse North than that. Some Dakota? FCS okay. team. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was some Dakota or something team. There was a D in it, I remember. Probably like yeah, South they ended up Dakota surviving. That, yeah, I think that's what it was. They ended up surviving, but it didn't look great. Uh, it wasn't a very good... Uh, a good... No, they were they were thirty something point favorites, and then in the third quarter it yeah. was tied at seventeen. Um, yeah, yeah, terrible. I don't. I still don't get how this guy. Obviously, he'll keep his job now because they ended up winning comfortably. But I was. It, it was to the point that I texted you. I was like, "There's no way they can keep this guy around, especially if they somehow only won by less than you know ten points or something like that." Right. But this guy should not be lost. a coach. He'd have been done. They would have fired. Oh, him today. easily. Yeah. Yeah. Um, according to hot seat or coacheshotseat.com, which I frequent this time of year, uh, they think that Jeff Scott at South Florida is the next hottest seat behind Scott Frost, followed by uh, Jeff Collins at Georgia Tech, David Shaw at Stanford, and Steve Sarkeesian at Texas. However, I would argue that Brian Harson may should be in that top five, not because of his performance, but because of how much Auburn hates him. Oh, yeah, easily. Just because, like we've talked about with Alan Green gone now, any anything that could just go wrong, it could just be the slightest of things, and he could easily get bumped up that list because they're just waiting on something to go wrong. The Auburn board and donors are just yeah. waiting on it to just start to crumble so they can get rid of them, which sucks. And um, like I said, I still think Harson can be a good coach, but he better he better lay everything on the line this year. And don't make any crazy mistakes at quarterback. Don't keep going with TJ if you feel like he ain't the guy. If it's time yeah. to pull the plug on him, pull the plug. So, yeah, I agree. He should be top five as well. Uh, this next message comes from Sarah. She gave us a Gmail. She says, My boyfriend is from the North and isn't into football as much as I am. How can I get him more interested? Uh, okay, good question. Thank you, Sarah, for reaching out. Um so what I would say is that anything can be interesting if you talk about it in a way that is passionate, right? I love hearing about people's hobbies that I don't necessarily have any knowledge or care about, but when they're passionate about it, I like it. So like there's a guy I know that he loves 
like model airplanes. He loves flying them. He loves putting them together. And usually that's not something that would that would interest me at all, right? I'm just not an airplane guy. But the way that he talks about it, he makes it exciting. He like it visibly brings him happiness. I'm happy that he's happy about it. I like hearing about it. And it's one of those things that's like, I think anything, if it's presented correctly, can be interesting. So maybe instead of trying to sell him on just like why he should like it, maybe sell him on why you like it. Like why, what, what are the things you like about it and why is it important to you? I think it's probably what I would do. Or I wouldn't even bother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's because true because you don't have to like everything, right? You don't have to like the but same stuff. It's, yeah. It could be a losing battle because look, my wife's not into it. She never will be, yeah. and I'm, you know, I'm like, ah, yeah, it is what it is. She has her interests. I have mine. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, he may never want to get into it, but yeah, if you want to try to persuade somebody to get into something, yeah, you got to make it sound so entertaining and so interesting. Which, you know, for my interest too, like I, I really love history. That's hard as crap to really get somebody very interested into history because yeah. it's it's hard to make some things entertaining, especially that happened so long ago but if you talk to in a certain way and just kind of try to paint a picture of things be like wow that's interesting to see how things were during this time period or i didn't really know that happened in american history or this country's history yeah uh like you said i think if you paint it a certain way you can make it interesting but then there's times too it's like look they made what's even the point to bother with it they may never have any interest in it and that's fine you know, maybe um, you're just going to have your you, different interest. Yeah. And that's totally fine too. And that's probably healthy also. But if you're, if you're dead set on, on, you know, I want this to be my college football partner and for him to enjoy it, then maybe do like what I do for the NFL. I don't really follow teams. I pick out players and I follow them. So maybe find mm. like a player that, you know, you think he would like, or that his personality you would like, maybe send him some interviews or some stuff like that and get him to like be like oh this guy seems interesting he does some charity work he's got this going on and he does a record label whatever you know and then and then maybe they'll uh want to cheer for that player and then eventually cheer for the team as well or you know let him not like it that's fine too (laughs) yeah very good questions though yeah and what i do just i'll keep it short just kind of small things too just kind of show some plays or just talk about a couple of things like, wow, you know, check out this play right here or look at this. And, you know, maybe they'll start asking some questions. You can explain, you know, some of the rules or whatever. They don't really know anything about that too or, you know, they don't know some things about some certain teams. Just kind of small things, kind of throw some little things at them here and there, you know, that may kind of catch their attention. All right. Well, that is the show. But thank you, everyone, for, uh, for your questions. Thank you both. Sarah and Grant, I believe it was. Uh, yes, Grant. So thank you both so much. Uh, please continue messaging into the show. We'll be happy to read your messages out loud. GameManagerSpot at gmail.com. Pod, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And uh, next week, it'll be Justin and Aaron steering the ship. So good luck to you, uh, fellas. Yeah, you, you may want to tune out for that one. Go ahead and <laughs> forewarning. Uh, so we will, uh, we will see you then. I'll see you in a couple weeks, but, uh, Justin, you'll be right back with them with another war Eagle anyway, just like you're about to do now. Right. Right now. Yeah. Hey, Auburn fans hang in there, but Hey, as always war Eagle anyways, blue 42, blue 42, hut, hut, hike. Thank you for listening to the game managers. Like the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at TGM pod until next week. Goodbye. Adios.
and Sayonara. Sayonara.